Welcome back, listeners. This is Tash. And this is Trav. And, and we're, we're the, the life coaches, coaches you, you never knew needed. needed. We're still working on our thinking. That was beautiful. <laughs> that was very harmonious. <laughs> <laughs> so in this week's episode, we talk about leaving the nest. What are you in for? Dun, dun, dun. I know. A scary thought. <laughs> it took me 24 years to leave my nest. Wow. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I said yeah. judgment in that tone, Trav. <laughs> no, this is a great first <laughs> point, actually. It's very culture dependent on where you're living in the world mm-hmm. and that defines when you should, quote unquote, per society, move out mm-hmm. and be pushed out of the nest. That is- A very fine point you make, Trav, Mm. because quite right you are. Most Asian cultures, you leave the nest only to jump into your new nest once you are married. Mm. But Western cultures like that of America, you very much so are expected to leave your nest as soon as you are of a ripe age around 18 plus. That being said, I actually find in Australia, folks don't leave for quite a while. Yeah, I was going to say, I think it's mainly in America that it's the most common to leave at 18 because you're expected to at that age for whatever reason. It's, you know, moving into your own apartment, even locally, or for the most part, going off to university or college of some form of higher education that you'd move away from home for, which definitely is a push, whether you're ready Mm -hmm. or not. You've got to go because you're not really going to university in your hometown. So true. And I feel like universities, though, if you're someone who's going from home and into a university or an on-campus accommodation, it's like a nice stepping stone to fully living on Mm -hmm. your own because obviously, you know, the university takes care of furnishing your room with the basics, takes care of where you're going to get your meals from, paying your bills, etc. So it's a nice way of getting that independence, but without the brunt of all the responsibilities thrown on you. Mm -hmm. Now, see... My experience was very much living at home in the nest to pop me into the frying pan. So I moved from Singapore on my own when I was 18 and lived on my own. That's right, listeners. I threw you off there saying I left at 24. I was actually (laughs) a return (laughs) nester. (laughs) So I ended up being on my own at the age of 18, living on my own, no roommates because I hadn't started uni yet and was starting to pay bills, setting up the Wi-Fi. It was like a whole nother world that school had never prepared me for. And then a couple years later down the track, when I did want to start saving money, when I did think, okay, I don't want to live with roommates, I ended up moving back into the nest with my parents who were flying in and flying out because they worked overseas at the time. So that is me Mm. well so when I went to university so at 18 moved out of home into my dorm room as you mentioned that did have those furnishings which was great and then you could have a meal plan (laughs) where you'd go to this huge I want to say cafeteria but it's more like a a hall like a food hall yeah can I ask a question do those food halls cater so they for example in this day and age where you might be a vegan would the food hall cater they probably do they absolutely would now I think back then they probably weren't as inclined there were still options but not as much and so I had this meal pass which was very bad for me so Mm. I 
is all Freshman you can 15. eat buffets all over yeah. again, which we've experienced <laughs> together. And it's really the first time you live with an all you can eat buffet year oh, round. So I gained, heaven. you know, the freshman 20 or they say the yeah. freshman 15, I gained the 20. And so that was a learning. I think when you move out of mm-hmm. home, you're relearning everything. So true. And I think too, you know, when I was in high school, I was in this really intense sports regimen where I was working mm-hmm. out a couple hours a day after school mm-hmm. in the sports. Then you move to college, and not only are you now living on your own for the first time, you also don't have that routine built in. And yeah. I definitely took for granted all the exercise that I had when I <laughs> lived with my parents. And then not to mention, I didn't really understand how that impacted my body. And then on top of that, I had an all-you-can-eat food pass plus learning what alcohol was and having mm-hmm. never really drank those as calories. So it was really the perfect storm. So I think, yeah, when you're moving out, definitely mm-hmm. understand what health means mm-hmm. and how your body reacts to different things, what sort of workouts in your body. Yeah. And if I'd taken the time and if I even knew that was going to be a thing moving into it, I would have been a lot more equipped, let's just say. I just want to make one comment on the fact that you just went YOLO on your university freshman days because I think as you clearly should, even though you learned from it it was time well spent learning that lesson because oh. you would have had a ball university in the states is notorious for having a ball and going a little bit yeah. crazy and just experiencing all the new things but then you gotta realize your sophomore year you gotta rein that in gotta rain it in <laughs> so your first time away from home yeah. and uh but then in my sophomore year I did live in an apartment with some of my really close friends, which was fun. Did that for the next two years. And for my final year of university, I lived in my sorority house, which was like a dream. So to paint the picture of living in a sorority house, you I did share a room with one person. That was fine, mm-hmm. though, because what it came with was a cleaner who cleaned oh. your full room and bathroom every week. Wow. And a chef for three meals a day. Oh, you have got to be kidding No, I'm me. not kidding. This oh was my the time God. of my life. My mom, <laughs> my mom was so jealous. She goes, I have lived for 60 years and I've never had this sort of treatment. Well, that is crazy. Yeah. So then after that experience in college, I was at home for just a summer again before I moved on to my next adventure, which was Australia. And... That was a wild ride, but yeah, moving that would have been a wake up call. Was a wake up call, and you're learning. There's so many different things that you're learning at the same time of ensuring that you have a secure and safe place to live. But Mm -hmm. and there's a lot of things that you can't ask your family about. So if your family's you know never been to that country, even getting a tax file number in Australia was different. You know you Mm -hmm. don't so that you can earn a living, so you can put a roof over your head. You you can't just call and ask your parents those things, which that was a really unique aspect of moving out of home. That's so true. I think it's an experience we share, Trav, because both you and I, when it came to properly, not your sorority privileged life, (laughs) living on our own. How do I get back to that? Do they let 29 year olds into the sororities? (laughs) That's what we want to circle back to. That's life goals right there. Um, But essentially we started living on our own, you know, which is a new experience in itself, but doing so in a new country. So it's that added challenge of not really knowing which suburbs you want to live in, what appeals about those suburbs? You know, is it a nice demographic mix? Is it close to beaches? Has it got lots of cafes? Like whatever floats your boat. And then at the same time, 
prepping you for all of the bills and things you need to set up. Like no one tells you that when you move out of home, you've got to set up your gas connection, you know, with <laughs> providers like AGL. So you're sat there wondering why the hell your oven isn't being put on and your yes. chicken nuggets are just staring back at you being cold. I have a hilarious story about that actually. It's so funny. So when I moved into my first apartment in Australia, mm-hmm. I moved in with two Australian boys at the time yes. so they're 23 <laughs> and i'm time. 22 yeah and they were on the lease not me so mm-hmm. i when they moved out i took over the lease from them and this whole time i'd been living with them for two years i was paying for wi-fi and electricity and they yeah. were paying for wi-fi and electricity so then they move out and i take over the lease from them and i continue you know had those bills transferred to me Another year or two years go by and I start getting these letters oh God. saying notice from a, from a company that wasn't my electricity company mm-hmm. saying your gas is going to shut off. And I'm thinking it's a scam. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, these, this is a scam. I know what they're trying to do. Yeah. I get another letter in the mail six months later Jeez. saying final notice. Your gas okay. is going to be shut off. Right. And after my first letter, mind you, even though I did think it was a scam, I called my company, provider, yeah. my provider, and I said, do I have gas? Is there, do I need to be paying for gas at this outlet? <laughs> do I have gas? And they Love said, it. no, you only have electricity. <laughs> and I say, thank you. <laughs> okay, I only have electricity. Perfect. I knew it was a scam. I'm thinking yeah. I'm smart. But then six months later, I got that other letter. Mm-hmm. Final notice, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, yeah, right. I throw that away. Yeah few like a week or two go by Mm -hmm. I'm not thinking about that anymore maybe three weeks go by yeah and it's winter and I'm in the shower (sighs) worst and my water is cold it's freezing and I'm thinking oh my gosh my water heater is broken and Mm -hmm. I ironically it had happened once before when I was living in this complex in the four years and the last time it happened it was in winter as well yeah so we call the guy and I get someone to come out and they're looking at it. Then I get a call from our landlord. They go, okay, well, you're going to have to pay the emergency call out fee because nothing is broken. You just haven't paid your gas bill. Oh no. So I'm like, what are these people talking about at this point? I've lived in this place for four years and also felt a little bit embarrassed because it was well, that I'd accidentally do. been delinquent. Yeah. Nothing was broken. And this whole time I'm thinking I'm ahead of a scam, which is hilarious also. Yeah. So then I finally find out this property did have gas. But when the boys moved in, so it was their first apartment out of home, mm-hmm. they didn't understand or know there was gas. So they set up just electricity. So they thought it was electric oh. heating the water the entire mm-hmm. time. Mm-hmm. So then when I inherited it from them two years later, I yeah. just carried on with the bills that they'd been doing. Yes. Of course, if you'd had all of your necessities all that time, you're not going to know. Exactly. In America, so many people don't have gas. You only have electricity bills. Right. So that's that's why here, I just, I genuinely thought that was normal. Yeah. So then I end up finding this electricity provider. I find one of the... I don't know if I found one of the notices or figured out who it was. It was just with a different, like, a different company, a different yeah, provider. Yeah. 
So unfortunately, when I called my provider and I said, do I have gas? They just said I didn't have gas. I think the person I was speaking to was foreign. So yeah. they probably thought I meant, do I have gas on your account? That I was trying to know, do I have gas at this property? And so then I finally called this place and they wanted me to pay the gas bill from the last four years, oh which God. was going to be about $1,000. Jeez. What you can do in those situations. And you know what? I know... Deep down in my heart, I wasn't trying to be delinquent. Mm-hmm. The boys that I lived with also weren't trying to do that. So I'd showed them, I sent them my most recent lease and they never called me again. Oh, wow. And then I, and then I switched on the gas to my new actual place. provider. With a new provider. Oh, that's awesome. With my current provider, my electricity provider that I'd Gosh. been with all that time. Watch Trav now get a little letter in the mail. <laughs> I don't know where I live. The old now. provider moved. listens to this podcast and goes, Oh, she does recall. <laughs> I moved. No, I do. But I know I sent They'll them I sent them you. my um my recent lease and then yeah. they just didn't ever contact me again. It was the strangest yeah. thing. The whole experience. So in anyways, but if you can take away anything from that, take away to uh not just inherit bills, but look into what the bills are. Yes electricity and gas everybody and I think the other thing is if you are moving out from home oftentimes most people majority will end up moving into a flat share and I eventually did as well so similar to you you lived with two guys I ended up living with three girls one guy in a place in Paddington beautiful part of eastern suburbs of Sydney stunning couldn't recommend it more for anyone who's looking to move into a neighborhood that's highly rated Anywho, it really does come down to when you're moving out, you have to apply a very transparent lens of what you need collectively. So for example, I was working from home a lot. I needed Wi-Fi, high-speed Wi-Fi. That may not be the case for the others who are maybe more retail-based or PR-based. So having that conversation around, we need this tier of Wi-Fi with Telstra, who's one of the providers here, and then figuring out, okay, do we need Foxtel or can we just you know, tether to like a Chromecast and off we go. And we figured we'll just do the Chromecast. It saves us the bills. So stuff like that, you do want to have a conversation around. And if you are furnishing a place and moving into a new place completely versus moving into an existing lease and becoming a new roommate, you also want to figure out how those costs are going to be split and whether it comes out of a kitty that will be refunded when items are resold or if that money is just going to go down the drain. So communication is super key. But I do highly recommend if you are moving out from home, don't go from being in a family space to living on your own unless you are someone who's extremely particular in terms of, you know, cleanliness, OCD, maybe wanting to be in a certain suburb, maybe wanting a certain lifestyle. I think having a shared experience can be helpful because you can navigate those challenges together when it comes to what bills you need to pay, paying them actually, and then more. Yeah, absolutely. Let's, on that note, talk a little bit more about roommates and (laughs) what you should look out for when choosing roommates. I've had so many, Mm. so many random roommates at that, that I found on flatmates.com.au or flatmate finders. And there would be similar things like that all over the world Mm -hmm. to find these flatmates. And, you know, I think one thing I'd say is always meet this person before you ever invite someone to live with you. You've got to do a meet and greet. And I know you did meet and greets too, right? Oh, 
actually, with exception, we did have a reason for that exception though, and that was when we initially moved out to this flat share in Paddington, we interviewed for the person who would take the fourth room, the guy. And the guy just so happened to be based in New York and was planning on moving over to Sydney. And so we found him on flatmatefinder.com, but the entire meeting we had with him was over Skype. So we still got to get to know him, but not in a face-to-face setting. Yeah, do at least some sort of meeting. If you can't do face-to-face, Skype would be an awesome alternative. And then I think as well, have a long conversation about them, get to know them, what are their living habits like, what's their schedule like. I think schedules can be a big one. There are sometimes, you know, everyone has different lifestyles, types of jobs. Some people are doing shift work. Some people are doing bar work. Some people are doing the nine to five. Mm -hmm. So I think if you do have lifestyles that match up, that's ideal. But if you don't, then at least the conversation around being respectful Mm -hmm. when the other person's sleeping. Yeah. At the least. Yeah, exactly. That's a good point. I think getting to know what you're looking for from the place you're living. Is it just a place and you're gonna spend most of your time outside of the place? It's just your pad mm. or are you gonna be there? Are you a homebody? Are you looking to care for it, furnish it, put some investment of time into it? I think those are all factors as well that come into play. I can safely say when we were in the flat share in Paddington, the common areas were definitely on the cheap and cheerful side when it came to furnishing and investing in it. So it was more about bulk buying glasses at a cheap rate, maybe buying a table that was from a you know a warehouse that was due to be shut down, mm-hmm. um, kind of making do and being a bit more thrifty because we were all sort of starting out in our careers and we all were quite cost conscious. And we, we kind of felt that because this wasn't going to be our end all be all in terms of a home, we would rather spend the money we did had, what little we had, based on experiences and outings in the neighborhood. So it became more about the neighborhood we were in than putting investment into the home. One other thing I want to say around, you know, building either the home internal, external, that whoever it is you're living with, they're going to have a big impact on your life. So, and you also need to make sure that whoever you're living with, you do trust, that you feel safe with them. I had a situation once in all of the years that I've had flatmates, I've had one situation where I've had to ask someone to move out and it was just because he had a stalker. Oh God. And I know this is crazy. So he had a stalker and also though he was continuously late on his rent. Mm -hmm. So he had been living with me for I think three weeks and every week he was late on his rent. So that's number one big red flag Mm -hmm. if someone's late on their rent you cannot keep covering it for them or trust that if they're late then it's a good indication that eventually they might not be able to pay at all Mm -hmm. so you should get out of that situation yeah is one point point two he had a stalker so this is where I drew the line because he came home one time and he was freaking out because he thought he saw his stalker at an event and then Two days later, he thought said stalker was actually now um, in a different state. But then he, um, and then I found out a little bit more, and it was actually that these people, 
during his time in university, he and this other guy had been provoking each other that went to really extremes. And I'm talking, they were vandalizing each other's properties. Oh, God. Yeah. They were, one of them put dead shrimp all over the other person's room, and then it was rotting in the room and ruined everything. Then the other person put the other person's bed on the roof. Then someone, (laughs) then it got creepy. Then, then the stalker guy. I know they were doing this thing back and forth, but then it got really creepy because then the guy took it to the next level and he put knives through the couch that were pointing up. Jesus. And it's scary. Yeah, it got to the point where it was obviously really scary. And then the guy was putting the other guy's phone number in all sorts of advertisements. So he had to change his number like 20 times. Wow. Anyways. And now this is the guy I'm living with. The guy I'm living with, he was the one who had his number. Did you not pre-call him on the interview questions and say any stalkers you'd like to list? Uh, After that, I started asking people if they had stalkers. (laughs) (laughs) You just don't expect that stuff. Anyway, so then he comes home a few days later after he thinks he saw a stalker. Mm -hmm. And he goes, I've lost my, my key. And I said, oh, you lost it or what? And he goes, I think someone stole it. And I said, what do you mean? He said, well, I was at the gym. And I went back into my locker and my locker wasn't locked and my house key is gone. And I'm at this point terrified. And I live with another, it's one male and then another woman that I was living with who's one of my really good friends. Her and I were just terrified. And we were really good friends, thankfully, because through that process, we both understood, okay, this isn't actually normal anymore. And this, we no longer feel safe going Mm -hmm. to sleep at night. And we were locking our doors at night and doing that sort of stuff. So we had to ask him to move out. And it was an uncomfortable conversation to have initially, but it was short-term pain for for long-term gain. Because then he moved out and we were so much happier. Oh, of course. I mean, there should be some onus of responsibility or self-awareness to go, I can't bring my problems and my baggage and lump them on these people I live with for the fact that they can't escape you know like people need to Mm. know boundaries and I think what's nifty in that circumstance and key to avoiding a situation where you have to put up with someone who you later go on to find out might be a little bit of a nightmare is an agreement some sort of formal documentation that has procedures and timelines in place so that in 30 days with 30 days notice from the leaseholder you can evict that person I will say though, I've actually Which I had, had luckily. Oh, that's good. But I mean, yeah. I have had a friend who's had another circumstance where she was not on a where she was oh no, sorry, she was subletting her room. And mm. I think this is how it goes, but she was subletting her room and the person who was subletting from her refused to pay some bills. And she had no grounds to actually make that person pay from a court of law standpoint because there was no formal agreement. So just watch out for that as well. Like it goes both ways. Sometimes having an agreement not only protects you as the person who's leasing the place, but also protects Mm. from the other way around. Um, Yeah. I'm so so glad you brought up agreement. You have to have them when you're living with people you don't know. And, you know, maybe you should even have them with people who who are just your acquaintances. You need them in place because... Ultimately, that protects you, especially if you're the one that's on the lease of the property. Mm -hmm. It's so important to have some sort of form of protection within that because if someone else vandalizes or damages the property, you need to have them signing for that aspect in the bond. So that's a good, great point. And I'm really glad you brought it up. Let's touch on one last thing, Trav. When moving out, the notion of moving in with a friend Mm. Yes. Yeah. Do or don't? It depends on the friendship. 
I have lived with a few friends over the years. I think if you live with someone who is like family, where you're that level of close, it's okay. If you live with someone who is a friend, I would say that's when things can become issues because if you're not on the level where you can be brutally honest about everything, how you're feeling and exactly able to articulate that, having that level of comfort, it gets a little bit harder to kind of dance around. Mm -hmm. You know, maybe you want things done a little bit differently in the house or maybe they do and it feels a bit more uncomfortable to share. But so I'd say if it's a friend, I would say don't do it. If it's someone who's more like family and like a friend of 15 years, then you shouldn't have problems. You should, your friendship would be at the point where you're that comfortable. What do you think about it? Have you lived with friends? No, I totally agree. I have lived with friends and I think I've also seen people live with their best friends and oftentimes it literally boils down to that one point around how secure are you in your friendship to have a difficult conversation because living with someone who may have a different preference for lifestyle or cleanliness is inevitably going to create tension or problems from time to time and the ability to have upfront, honest, brutally open conversations is going to be what makes the difference between it last or you wanting to leave. So love your response on that front. And I think that's time for key takeaways. Yeah, I think that's great. Well, I really hope that all of you related to some sort of aspect within today's episode (laughs) and that you can take away some key points. And if nothing else, probably take away the bills and the agreement Mm -hmm. aspect and safety, safety first. Safety first always. I love that. Oh God, we're like a commercial. I know. (laughs) We just have no one to promote right now, but (laughs) But we could be a good commercial. Be safe, ladies and gentlemen. Love it. No, love that. Awesome listeners. We'll tune in next week. Thanks for tuning in today. And this is Self-Proclaimed.